A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Goodman's Jewelers. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Gee, I don't think that our Wisconsin weather this week is going to be all that intimidating to the L.A. Rams. Coming to Lambeau Field in what we hope is going to be the frozen tundra this Saturday, starting at 3.30 in the afternoon. How are you doing, everybody? Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yonke, happy to join you on this Monday morning. This mild weather that we're enjoying today is probably going to be around right on into the weekend. For today, cloudy skies in our forecast, looking for daytime highs around 25. Tomorrow, we're up to 33. Wednesday, 36. Thursday, same thing, above average at 36 degrees. By the time we get to Saturday, not much as far as snowfall, ice, or anything like that. 25 are expected high. Talking about it when we check in with Stumacher Ag Meteorologist in just a little bit. Well, uh, the pandemic continues to make its presence felt as far as agriculture activities are concerned. The American Farm Bureau Federation's got their annual meeting happening all virtually online, officially starting today with uh, their convention speakers, including Beth Ford, who is the CEO of Land Lakes. She is a guest speaker coming up this afternoon. And the WPS Farm Show, which is considered a spring staple by a lot of folks, that's not happening in 2021 either. They made the announcement late last week. I've got all those details coming up before we get to Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. As we enter 2021, we leave 2020 with a December Class 3 cheese price that uh, wasn't very good. That milk price for our 90% of our production, not good. After a pretty nice November price, even though with the arithmetic they have to do, the pay price wasn't where it wanted to be by dairy farmers. But going forward, what is the outlook for the cheese industry? Can they get together, have their competitions, have their informational meetings? And uh, while we're here at the northern end of the world's longest barn with a lot of cheese production, it's all over the state, all over the nation. And uh, Josh, I understand Pam had a chance to talk to some folks that are in this battle every day. Yes, she did, Bob. It's Josh Scramlin here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Like you said, we know the struggles of the dairy industry all too well. It's something that so many of our listeners live, and it's something that we talk about day in and day out. So Pam Yaki had the chance to catch up with John Umhafer. He's the executive director of the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association, and he caught and she caught up with him in light of the news that their cheese expo was going online as opposed to happening in Milwaukee. But in total, if you 
look at the Wisconsin cheese industry from a bird's eye view, you know, there's so many attendees that were international at that expo. So will being online work better for them or will it be worse for them? And the WCMA is a beacon for cheesemakers all around the globe. And this was a huge funding event for them. So you toss the pandemic disruptions. They're swimming upstream. You cancel this event. And the news comes as we approach the one year anniversary of last year's Cheese Expo being canceled. It is interesting the timing there that uh, we did in those opening weeks have to make that decision just just as things in mid-March were becoming uh, clear that uh, we were starting to close down borders and, and airlines. And, and so, yes, we lost Cheese Expo. We once again are going to not have a, a live Cheese Expo in 2021. So that's two years of uh, last year just canceled, this year virtual. But, yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride for the industry for the last 10 months uh, You've seen the lowest cheese price followed ever, followed by the highest cheese price ever in July. We had another peak earlier or later in the summer, and uh, so it's helped the milk price recover. But it's really been a wild ride for the people buying cheese, and and the idea of storing cheese and, and what to age out and what not to age out. Uh, on the cheese side, there's, there's nothing better, and maybe for the farm side too, nothing better than a stable good price. But this has been just the opposite. It's been a real roller coaster. Well, and those folks are also uh, employers. You know, they have been concentrating a lot of time and attention on trying to keep their employees healthy so the wheels can keep turning. Yeah, that's the other side of the equation, that, that business uh, chaos has been one thing. But then, yes, keeping the workforce safe has been just occupying probably the other 50% of the industry's brain power. And uh, early on, we had people adopting every measure they could find from temperature checks to face masks. But still, you know, as you can see on all the maps and all the news shows, it, it's out there. And, and we've had some companies had to cut shifts and, and look at uh, less staffing, spreading people out as much as they can. So, yeah, that's been a huge challenge, and it, and it still is. Well, we are kind of uh, learning as we go for sure on how to try to keep plotting forward. Now, Cheese Expo, as you said, going online April 6th through the 8th. Now, the good news is that means we don't have to be anywhere except in front of a computer screen. And it also does give you guys at the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association some unique flexibilities, doesn't it? Yeah, you look at the lemonade you can make out of the lemons, and one is that, uh, yes, we hope to have people sign up, and a lot of the show will be free for members of our industry. So people who couldn't perhaps drive to Milwaukee, get a hotel room, spend all that money, could just log in and get some really great seminars. We'll work again with the Center for Dairy Research. We're going to work with DMI and Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. We're going to deliver multiple seminars, and, and it'll be as easy as just listening to those great scientists and such right on your computer screen. So I think that could be as good as uh, being at a show and not having traveled. Um, it'll feel differently as far as virtual booths, but there. We feel people can really go face-to-face with video with people in the industry that are on the supply side of the industry. So not the same experience, but I think from an education perspective, it can be good delivery and perhaps deeper down into companies because more people can, can jump online than could drive to Milwaukee. You know, and that is a good point. It is a global show, and sometimes we may take for granted or forget Wisconsin is a leader in keeping those international conversations going, John. Normally, normally, if you were in Milwaukee, how much of an international element would be there? And now, you know, kind of forecasting April, how many do you think we'll tap into it this way? 
Well, that's a good point. We generally had, as far as attendance, about 10% of people from outside the U.S. And this year, you're right, the, the sky's the limit. If we can get Europeans to listen in to our daytime programming, which will be you know early evening for them, uh, nothing stopping them. And for a lot of them, it would be free as well to walk the booths and, and listen in as we do some of our evening events, like our uh, cheese auctions. So uh, that could be a pickup for us. We, we, we would hope to see that. Now, you mentioned the cheese auction. Tell folks a little bit about that, because, again, if you go to the show, that's one of the highlights. Maybe this is one where a lot of people can catch a little bit of the action. Right. If you've been to State Fair, you've seen the big livestock auction. For our industry, for the cheese industry, one of the big highlights of the year is the cheese auction. It's just a loud and rambunctious event. Um, we had we tried last spring and had a good version of that online with bidders and people able to chat and, and kind of poke fingers at each other like you like to do at an auction. And uh, so we're going to try that again this spring with uh, the proceeds going to different charitable organizations that the, the bidders would pick. So try to make it fun for everyone and have some of that element of back and forth that you like to see among the bidders, uh, eyeballing each other as they try to win a bid. So... It, we hope to make that as, as enjoyable as it has been uh, in person. It's never quite the same, but we'll do our best. John, I'm here for along with us, Executive Director, Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association. They are going online for their Cheese Expo on April 6th through the 8th. Now, John, I want to talk a little bit. We had mentioned about uh, the cheesemakers in Wisconsin and across everywhere in the world having to flex and, and really try to get their arms around doing business perhaps in a little different way in light of the pandemic. You know, this uh, Cheese Expo, if I recall, is kind of a a major fundraiser for your association. I mean, that's the other thing that people have to remember. The associations that they have come to rely on don't necessarily just uh, get by on dues, correct? Well, that's true, and it's particularly true for our organization. We do have our uh, big expo and our conference that that's basically our april events and we have our cheese contests those are a big part of our funding so definitely we're we're feeling that and our our heart goes out to other associations especially on the farm side that uh, are also trying to work through this uh, with perhaps you know shows that have been canceled and opportunities to get together with members so I think we're just really in the whole industry. We're just another player that's seeing uh, impacts from this play out. And we just hope everybody comes out of it okay. You know, we've, uh, I think it might be an urban myth. Maybe you can clarify for me. Uh, There have been conversations in farming circles that elsewhere in the world, there were shows still happening. There were events that were still taking place. From what you know, John, and from your international connections, did anybody get a chance to really do anything of a grand scale in light of the pandemic? The Europeans aren't getting ahead of us, are they? No, far from it. I think they were probably uh, harsher on shutting things down over there. And generally, we saw the shows fall like dominoes that were were holding out to stay alive uh, in 2020. And uh, I think they did what they they had to do, and that was, you know, reduce risk and, and take things virtual. So I think the real question mark will be, you know, into the fall of uh, 2021 and into 2022, hoping to see things turn where people have gotten uh, vaccinated and, and numbers are, are trending downward. And so I think everyone's looking forward. Uh, 2020, I didn't see any activity in Europe that uh, 
that uh, was better or, or different than you saw in the United States. Okay, well, let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, everybody from around the world decides to tap in April 6th through the 8th. Again, this is Cheese Expo Global All Online, hosted courtesy of our Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association, John Umhafer, their executive director. And again, we'll be keeping you posted as the show uh, gets closer, but most importantly, for anybody that is in the cheese industry, connected to the cheese industry, spread the word and get your uh, sponsorships in place, get your uh, trade partnerships in place. CheeseexpoGO.org. That's CheeseexpoGo.org. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? Instead of flying to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether? like a village in Botswana or a tiny island in the Pacific where needs are easy to see. What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. We don't offer greasy handshakes or kiss babies on the forehead to get your vote. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. We hope you elect Tom's Auto Center for our overall genuine knowledge of complete auto repair. We really do want to make your car great again. Stay safe, drive safe. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter, fix, getter, done to get you going, guys. If your workout includes baling hay and pitching pens, then you'll be comfortable right here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I don't know. We're uh, talking about uh, the L.A. Rams coming into the frozen tundra on Saturday. But, man, I'll tell you, uh, I'll take it, but it's pretty mild out there. Let's talk about weather. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us on a Monday, Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Now, let's talk a little bit about what you see developing weather-wise. Like I said, buddy, I, I, I know it's great for anybody that's got to be outside, but isn't this kind of mild for this stage of January? 
It is mild, Pam. I mean, the normal daytime high should be in the mid-20s. The normal nighttime low is down there around 10 degrees. So here we're going to see the next several days up into the 30s. Your hope of frozen tundra, maybe shocking cold weather for the weekend. Well, that's going to be a little more likely. In fact, looking on towards Saturday and Sunday, I expect we'll be back at normal about 25 or so or maybe a degree or so below that, especially at Green Bay. So there is some colder air coming as we look toward the weekend. That may also come along with just a little snow or mixed precipitation, a possibility. Late Wednesday night, even at Eau Claire, and more likely into the day Thursday for everybody else, just light, light precipitation the way it looks right now. Yes, we have to keep an eye on that system. It could change as it's building in as we move on toward that time and could mean a little different activity, maybe a little more snow. I don't think anybody would complain too much about that, but we have very mild air before all of that is said and done. There's a high-pressure system that's just moved off to our east and southeast that should be keeping our skies clear. No, that's not going to happen. Sorry. We still have these cloudy skies continuing. There's some snow down in the southern Mississippi Valley, down in Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, that area. That's all going to stay way off to the south. We have some dry days, a little fog a possibility again, even as we make our way into the day Tuesday. Never seems to be far away with this stagnant air mass we have but we are eventually going to see low pressure edge in and like i've said late wednesday into thursday a smaller chance of some light precipitation edging in and that could stick around a little light snow lingers even into friday or just to start the weekend if you will and then more normal cooler temperatures are exactly what will be here for the weekend i'll have the forecast right after this compere financial helped us get into our forever home they helped me expand more than acreage and helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compure Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our unique perspective finds solutions to your challenges, and our specially trained financial team guides you every step of the way. Partner with us to make your goals possible. Compure.com. Compure Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. If you're interested in a rewarding career with a strong Wisconsin company, Rural Mutual Insurance is looking to add to their growing team of successful employees and agents. Apply online today at ruralmutual.com slash careers. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All righty, Stu, let's hear a few more details on not just today, but honestly, it looks like a pretty mild week all the way around. It absolutely will be, Pam. So your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update does indeed include cloudy skies and low 30s for highs today. Statewide, southwest winds will be around 5 to 15. Still cloudy in the nighttime, mid-20s, maybe a 24 or 22, especially toward Eau Claire. Southwest winds at 5 to 10. A little fog tomorrow morning, some sun. Partly sunny skies, yeah, we've talked about it. It breaks through now and again. The clouds are going to be nearby, though. Low to mid-30s tomorrow. West winds at 5 to 10. Mostly cloudy on Wednesday. Mid to upper 30s with the southwest winds at 5 to 10. And by Friday, maybe a little light mix of precipitation, Pam, and then a nice slow cool down to normal in the weekend. Hmm. <laughs> cool down, but but no precipitation. No, I mean, like, not measurable precipitation, No, eh? uh, you know. 
it's early to call, but I'd say some dustings, that kind of thing, out of a Thursday, Thursday night, and just a little cool. You know, one of the stories we've got up at MidwestFarmReport.com is how the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources reminding people, uh, you're anxious to get out on those snowmobile trails, but you really don't want to push it too much because whatever you do out there with this kind of condition, you might actually ruin the rest of the year, you know, with the ruts and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah, that we haven't built up that good base of snow. The ice on the lakes isn't safe in all reality. Yeah. You know, it's still early ice. <laughs> yeah. So just think twice. Yeah, no kidding. All right, dude, we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks. All right, see ya. Stu our Ag Meteorologist, checking in with you on your Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Compure Financial, your financial partner, committed to agriculture and rural America. Find out more at Compure.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual Insurance, the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, is here for you even when the weather isn't. With crop hail damage, protect your operation from hail, fire, lightning, and more. Visit RuralMutual.com slash farm. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling, the shine and diamonds, but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days. They may have that traditional feel, that traditional customer service, but they also have the new modern looks of today. Stop in and take a look at their jewelry case. Talk to the staff. Find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create. Go online, goodmansjewelers.com. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 
99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Neil Armstrong or Louis Armstrong? Roberto Clemente or Walter Cronkite? Rosa Parks or Sally Ride? You're the right age to do something you can be remembered for. Register to become an organ and tissue donor. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s or beyond, any age is the right age to donate the gift of life. Learn how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Kind of reacting to the story that dropped yesterday, a fired Los Angeles Angels, um, the hell is this guy's name again? A clubhouse attendant named, I miss his name, his nickname is Bubba. He said that he was unjustly fired. He was a scapegoat made by Major League Baseball and the Angels as he was supplying the quote-unquote sticky stuff to help pitchers. It was an illegal blend of rosin and pine tar, a violation of a rule that really never had been strictly enforced. Uh, his last name's Harkins. Harkins was fired last March, and now he can't get a job anywhere, and he's suing um, the Major League Baseball, and he's e- entering in evidence of players that have used it in the past and saying, like, hey, this is not really like just a me thing. This is a, this is a league thing. And his one evidence submitted was from Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole was asking him if he could help him out with this, this sticky situation he was in with a winky emoji face, saying he needed the, uh, the good stuff, if you will. And then he named other pitchers uh, across the league. He also named a bunch of other uh, Angels players. This guy started as a bat boy with the Angels in 1981, and he worked his way up as a visiting. Or he worked his way up, and then was fired. Uh, let's see, 2019. So this guy, he uh, he started. Here's how he said he fu- he figured out how to do this. Let's see here. It was visiting clubhouse manager, let's see, as a bat boy in 1981 and worked as a visiting clubhouse manager from 1990 until the day of his termination in March 3rd, 2020, actually. In the 1990s, it was um, the old angel. Who was it asking about? Troy Percival? Troy Percival taught him to place rosin and pine tar and then on a thing called a moda stick, which is a firmer pine tar, in the bottom of a soda can, and you melt it with a lighter 
Sounds like this guy's going to crack. You melt it with a lighter in the soda can to create a sticky substance that would then be widely distributed to home and away pitchers. Harkins, the guy who was fired, provided this blend as a courtesy to opposition to so, so visiting pitchers, adding that it was, quote, not a money-making venture and that many people within the Angels organization knew about the, quote-unquote, sticky stuff and would tell people across the league about it and would come to this guy to get it. So Garrett Cole wanted it. And then Rowdy, uh, I was saying, and RJ over here, I was saying that this guy has named more pitchers in the league. A lot of them are still pitching. Some are free agents, and a couple have had retired. So, Nelson, tell the people what you're doing off here, Noe. Yeah, so we start. I was like, let me guess. Let me see if I can guess who some of these pitchers are. So you haven't pulled up the list or anything? I don't have the list up. And Nelson was guess, guessing pitchers. So Nelson, start guessing some pitchers here. Garrett Cole's one. Yeah, and then I, I said my first guess would be Justin Verlander. And boom, Justin Verlander is on the list. My second guess was Felix Hernandez. Felix Hernandez is on the list. Another guess was... Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright is on the list. <laughs> so I, I was shooting a pretty high percentage. And, and why I, were you picking these guys? Well, it was a bunch of guys where they had really, really, really good careers, and then you saw their stuff kind of dip a little bit where you go, oh, it looks like they're they're getting a little older. They don't exactly have what they used to. Maybe they've lost some velocity or the movement on their pitches isn't quite what it was when they were in their mid-20s or early 30s. But then all of a sudden you saw just this rise in their career. It was like <laughs> rebirth, like out of the ashes. They figured it out. And, <laughs> all right, so you've guessed Verlander, Felix Hernandez, and Adam Wainwright. I think I might go with Clayton Kershaw, too. Clayton Kershaw is not on the list. He just had people stealing his signs when he, once he got yeah. in the playoffs. <laughs> he had some guy banging on a trash can. All right, anyone else you want to guess, Rowdy? If not, I'll just start naming them off for you. Oh. You're doing pretty good. You think of anyone else? Oh, Cor- Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber is on Whoa, the list. Like well done, guy. Rowdy. Woo! Anyone else? Oof, I'd have to see. I have not to. I have Michael the, Pineda. Not him. <laughs> well, he's probably. He's gonna be. He's on a different list. <laughs> anyone else? Now, RJ, you got any guesses? Any shots in the dark? No. You have I'll name my one I texted. Uh, Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn is not on the uh, list. No. Well, he probably used some of Wainwright's <laughs> yeah, there while you go. they were with the Cardinals together. Um, I'm going to go with Lance McCullers. Not on the list. All right, I'll just name him for you guys. All right, Rowdy got Justin Verlander. The next one on the list is Edwin Jackson. Next, Max Scherzer. Scherzer. Oh, yeah. Scherzer. Felix Hernandez. Corey Kluber. Joba Chamberlain. Jabba? Yeah, Jabba, excuse me, Jabba Chamberlain. When's the last time he pitched? Was he with the Yankees? Maybe well? like a decade ago. Yeah. He was uh, with the Brewers. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, he, he was. He pitched like a couple days with the Brewers and then was sent back down to the minors. <laughs> Adam Wainwright and then Tyler Chatwood. Chatwood. Yep, among the pitchers who had previously asked for this sp- specific blend of Ooh, pine tar and rosin so they from this guy. asked for it. If you've ever driven a tractor, you are her friend. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Boy, not a lot of intimidation in this weather forecast for the week, quite honestly, which is a good thing. Today we'll look for daytime highs right around 25 degrees. Tomorrow, 33. By the time we get to Wednesday, cloudy skies and 36 degrees. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Monday. So today, the 11th day of January, do you know on this day in 1935, Amelia Earhart 
finished her first solo flight from Hawaii to the mainland. She was the first person to make that happen. Her journey took her from Honolulu to Oakland, California on this date back in 1935. On this day in 1922, insulin was used for the very first time to treat diabetes. 14-year-old Leonard Thompson was the very first person to receive the medication to try to battle with his type 1 diabetes. That's on this date back in 1922. And on this date, in 1968, listen to this one. Rock County Farmers of the National Farmers Organization joined a national movement to withhold grain from processors trying to drive up the price. This is 1968 now. They hope to receive a buck and a half on their corn compared to the existing price of 80 cents. They hope to get $3 a bushel on soybeans compared to $2.35. Farmers kind of protesting on this day back in 1968. And boy, I can tell you they continue to protest prices till this day. And now you know. All right, we want you to know a couple things right off the top of the bat. I want to make sure that you know that the WPS Farm Show for this year has again been postponed. According to the communication specialist for the WEC Energy Group, which hosts the WPS Farm Show, they are going to postpone the event till 2022. They said in light of the pandemic, they did not feel that they could host an event and be responsible for public health. So again, the WPS Farm Show normally happens in uh, March at the EAA Grounds in Oshkosh has been postponed yet again. You know, this pandemic has really made a lot of us take another look at not just what we do every day, but what we're doing in the kitchen every day. And that's been a good thing, at least as far as pork producers are concerned. Josh Scramlin joins us this morning and Listen to this story and see if you aren't nodding your head in agreement on how you've changed what you're making in the kitchen and how you're enjoying it. Josh? Hey, good morning to you, Pam. There's something that is being put in a lot of shopping carts that wasn't a year ago. Ground pork has enjoyed a really strong retail performance since the pandemic began. From March 8th through December 27th of last year, that's what we have the numbers for, total ground pork sales from a dollar perspective increased 22% from one year ago. And on a volume basis, ground pork sales are up 16%. Neil Hull is the director of channel marketing at the National Pork Board, and he's working really closely with packers and retailers to tell the story of ground pork's rising popularity. 50% of the people that bought ground pork during this pandemic time period were not purchasing it on the prior 12 months. So that's really, I mean, you talk about household penetration a lot from a from a brand side, and that's that's a marketer's dream come true to have that many new households in. And the other thing that we know from the research is, you know, we're getting to millennials and Gen Z. So that younger generation that may be a little less, a little more hesitant on ground uh, pork and uh, pork in general, um, we're bringing them to the category. There's been a lot of things that have been difficult to figure out over the past year, but actually consumer habits have been increasingly difficult to figure out. But something that Hull makes clear is that more people buying ground pork is no accident. One would have hypothesized early on uh, when we were having challenges with shortages at the meat case that potentially it was because there wasn't other proteins in the case and ground pork may have been the only item there. Um, what we found out is that was not the case. It was a destination item 
and it wasn't something that was just going in their freezer. They were using it uh, two to three days after purchase. Um, so that's one of the things that we learned. And we also learned that, you know, almost 25% of consumers um, said that they would purchase it again, and 90% of consumers said that they loved it. So um, that was one segment of the research that we've done that we've really used to demonstrate to both the packers and retailers from a checkoff standpoint that, you know, if you need to make sure that it's available on shelf. Um, and I think we've done a, a decent job of that. On top of a lot of the traditional tried-and-true recipes, Hull says that folks are getting really creative in their kitchen, and they're using ground pork for fresher, newer recipe ideas. The research told us that the, the top usages were for meatballs and for meatloaf. But we're also finding, and you know, one of the largest searched items on Google or saw a ton of growth was egg roll bowls, uh, which works really well with ground pork. But you know, it, it's really versatile. It fits in with anything. If you're making chili, you can, you know, put ground pork in it. If you're making lasagna, you can put ground pork in it. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to use it. And what we're really trying to do is just demonstrate to the consumer that it's really that easy. All you have to do is, you know, if you're buying a grind, uh, make sure it's ground pork and it will deliver on flavor and taste. That is Neil Hull. He is with the National Pork Board. And I got to say, I am one of those people that has really latched on to ground pork in the last year. Actually, it was the Wisconsin Pork Association that turned me on to it. And ever since that, there hasn't been a time that I go to the grocery store and I don't walk out of it with ground pork. With an update on consumer habits for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. Nice job. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate that. All right. Markets in overnight electronic trade are still holding firm. Remember, tomorrow we're talking with John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, in front of the World Ag Supply Demand Report that's issued at 11 a.m. Central Time on Tuesday. Right now, March corn's unchanged at 496. December corn up two at 442. Currently, we've got January beans up six at 1382. November beans up a nickel at 1160. July wheat, that's currently two and a half cents lower at 629 a bushel. On Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese was unchanged at 165 and a quarter. 40 pound block cheese, that was up two at 191 and three quarters, while double A butter, that dropped a penny down to $1.38 a pound. Fluid milk contracts for January. Dropped nine cents, currently at sixteen sixty one a hundred weight. February up a nickel at nineteen seventy five. The March milk down two, currently at nineteen oh five a hundred weight. You know, we just were talking about consumers' preference at the grocery store for pork sausage. What are consumers thinking about as far as our dairy products are concerned? Now they're shopping from a computer that really changes up the dynamics when it comes to our Wisconsin specialty cheese. We're talking about that next with our friends from the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Don't go anywhere. Our friends at Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin stop by the studio in just a moment. Right here on the Midwest Farm Report. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Neon, day glow, flashing lights, special effects... 
Today's world puts our sense of sight on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. It's a wonder how much you'll see once all the distractions fade away. You may see a lone eagle soaring past massive snow-capped mountains. Or a great horned owl perched stoically on a branch nearby. You may see the furry face of a baby sea otter curiously poking its head out of the dark blue sea. Or ancient rocks shaped by centuries of wind. When you see these things, you're seeing the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1965. And by your dairy farmers of Wisconsin. Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin exists to be a tireless advocate, marketer, and promoter for Wisconsin dairy farmers by growing demand for their dairy products. Keep up with Pam on social media, Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter, and at MidwestFarmReport.com. She's sweeter than a glass of chocolate milk and louder than a morning rooster. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Our hardworking dairy farm families all across the state of Wisconsin want you to know what they're doing behind the scenes to make sure that they are always investing in research, that they're always investing in education and promotion, and that they're always keeping an eye on what consumers are looking for. It's time for an update from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. And I'll tell you what, as we bid farewell to 2020 in so many different ways, we've learned a thing or two about what consumers do quickly when under stress or when presented with some interesting challenges. We're talking about those purchasing patterns and how they impact our Wisconsin dairy industry and our Wisconsin dairy farm families today with our guest, and that is Suzanne Isige. She's a market research manager for Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and works as one of the team members that makes sure we're learning our lessons and paying attention to what consumers want. Suzanne, thanks for joining us. Happy New Year to you. Let's talk a little bit about what we learned in 2020. I think, first of all, we realized that people pivot really quickly when it comes to purchasing patterns and things that they prefer. What did you see in your market research on 2020 in our consumer buying patterns when it comes to dairy? Hi, Pam. Thank you for having me. It's great to be talking to you today. Um, well, we definitely saw some big changes. The pandemic changed our lives, including how we shop for, prepare, and eat for food. Um, so we've got a number of different changes that we saw. The first big shift that we saw is where we were getting our meals. Before COVID, 24% of Americans prepared at least 90% of their meals at home. This surged to 59% during the initial stages of the pandemic when restaurants closed and lockdowns went into effect. As restrictions have eased, this number has gone down, but it was still nearly twice as high as the pre-COVID level at 47% heading into the fall. In addition to cooking at home more, many of these households likely had more mouths to feed as well. A friend of mine had her two college-age children move home in the spring when their school switched to remote learning. So suddenly the whole family was gathered around the dinner table again every night. And with more potential chefs in the home, along with fewer options for restaurant meals, consumers became more adventurous in their meal prep, stocking up on new appliances like rice cookers and bread makers, and seeking out new recipes to try. Mm Boy, and I know I'm I'm one of those that uh, started doing things differently, you know, than maybe I would have otherwise. How does the dairy industry? What what are the notes 
Suzanne, that the dairy industry should be taking from something like a rice cooker or, uh, as you said, different chefs in the house? I mean, at first blush, dairy farmers may say, well, no, wait a minute, what does that have to do with us? But in reality, it really can have a big impact on our future sales. Absolutely. So one of the big impacts from that is that consumers are experimenting more. You know, they were cut off from restaurant dining. So you couldn't go out for that fancy restaurant meal and you had fewer options. All of a sudden, you're stuck trying to figure out how to cook these things at home. And maybe the same things that you've been cooking for the last several years aren't interesting enough to cover you seven days a week. So, you know, we really saw a lot of interest in consumers in finding new meals, finding ways to kind of recreate some of the restaurant meals that they had had. And um, one of the ways that we can support them is giving them recipes and tips and ideas on how to incorporate that into how to incorporate dairy products into their new expanded menus. So you think of like rice cookers, like what are some recipe ideas that we can use that help you utilize that? Or bread makers, are there breads with cheese that you can incorporate into that? I know one of the big appliances recently is the Instapots, you know, those those kind of all-in-one things. Well, we've got some recipes that you can use, that you can bring dairy products and cheese right into your recipes um, for new ideas on ways to use your Instapot. So kind of keeping up on those trends and monitoring what's happening with consumers, how are they changing, how they're cooking, gives us an opportunity to to feed dairy and cheese into that and make sure that it's, it's a part of what they're doing. You know, you made another point about how many, many people have discovered, if they hadn't already, shopping online for groceries, uh, whether it's getting your order in advance so you can just roll up and pick them up. But a lot of us have taken a look at those options, if not turned to them as a regular part of practice. That also presents dairy with some very interesting challenges, because when you look at your online selections of what dairy is out there, it doesn't necessarily highlight or focus in on our Wisconsin story. How have we, what have we noticed there, Suzanne? I know our cheese sales remain robust, but that's something that the dairy industry's got to address going forward, isn't it? Absolutely. So we saw a big shift in um, the number of consumers that were using online shopping. You know, a lot of consumers that might have been reluctant to buy dairy products and other perishables online all of a sudden really wanted to stay home and avoid crowded grocery stores. So they bought everything online. Um, and that, you know, there's, that kind of behavior is going to stick around because we know that 68% of the new shoppers that tried grocery online grocery shopping in the past year are going to stick around with it. They're going to keep doing it in the future. And that means that we have to reach consumers in different ways. If you're used to doing sampling events or in-store signage to drive sales to inform consumers about, you know, give them recipe ideas or coupons on the package on the shelf, things like that, they're not seeing any of that. And while the vast majority of grocery shopping is still happening inside the store, uh, we are seeing a shift in that, that there's going to be more consumers. You know, it's going to increase over time where more of those consumers, their engagement with the store is going to be through their website or through the Instacart website, you know, through some other platform, maybe finding new promotion ideas on, on um, social media. So maybe they'll check the retailers, you know, their favorite grocery store's Facebook page. So it's important to keep an eye on, on how that trend is changing, where consumers are getting their groceries, and where they're getting information about their groceries to inspire what goes on to their list so that we can be part of those those platforms. Um, and we've done some some great work in the past year working with retailers on building up, you know, custom landing pages that really feature Wisconsin cheeses on their stores so that we can put that front and center if the consumer goes to a retailer's website to shop for cheese. They're going to get this great display of here's some Wisconsin cheeses you might not have tried. You're not in the store to demo them, but we'll tell you all about them and give you a reason to give them a shot and put them in the cart.
Mm-hmm. Oh boy, isn't that the truth? And of course, if any one individual cheesemaker or butter maker or anybody like that had to try to uh, find or afford this kind of information on their own, you wouldn't be able to do it. Suzanne Isegay, along with us, Market Research Manager for Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. I always want to remind you about their website, wisconsindairy.org, where you can find a lot of the information that Suzanne and her staff generate. And also, of course, America's Dairyland on uh, social media. Let's talk a little bit more about how do I it's 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 not about the label it's not about the nutrition information uh it's not even about the taste but it is about consumer confidence in 2020 I think we all saw how quickly consumers channeled their energy and emotion towards our farmers as they faced the challenges of COVID-19 and uh kind of continue to drive that watching out for their own health as we continue to move through 2021 how do you measure those kinds of consumer pattern changes, Suzanne? That's got to be pretty tricky, but it is very, very important information. Absolutely. So we're we're constantly tracking, you know, we tap into a number of different sources, both at the national level. We work with Dairy Management Inc. to take advantage of the research that they're doing. They're also constantly monitoring consumers. Um, we do a lot of that custom research ourselves. And what we want to understand is what are the priorities when consumers are shopping for dairy products, we want to have an understanding of what is it, what do they prioritize, what's important to them, what makes them choose to put a dairy product into their cart to make sure that we can communicate, um, you know, those important messages to them and make sure it's top of mind. So, you know, we've got three key um, messaging areas that we think are really strong going into 2020. We think consumers are going to continue to seek out products that offer nutrition and holistic well-being, brands with a purpose that share their values, and products with a focus on sustainability and production and packaging. And all of these trends have been building for a while, but the events of the past year have brought them into greater focus. And the great news is the high-quality milk produced by Wisconsin's dairy farmers can fulfill all of those trends. So when we consider these trends in terms of what dairy has to offer and the story that we have to tell, we can summarize them this way. Dairy is good for me, dairy is good for my community, and dairy is good for the planet. And that really captures, you know, three key priority areas for consumers and where uh, we can connect with them and tell dairy story and make sure that they're aware of how well this fits into their priority areas. Mm-hmm. Dairy matters, that is for sure. Suzanne Isige, along with us, Market Research Manager at Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, making sure that they are providing our dairy farmers, our dairy industry partners, with all the information and research available on what has changed about COVID-19 and now COVID-2021, and recognizing that a lot of those purchasing patterns that our consumers are choosing today are not going to change. They are here for the future. Make sure that your dairy model is ready to provide for them. As always, this dairy checkoff information brought to you courtesy of Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and our hardworking dairy farm families all across the state. Find more at wisconsindairy.org or on social media. Look for America's Dairyland. And of course, we'll have this conversation up with Suzanne Isige as well on our website, Midwest Farm 